Welcome to Blockchain Inside. The podcast is co-produced by the International Data Engineering and Science Association, the Purdue Blockchain Lab, and CastBox. Our vision is to connect everyone in the blockchain industry and explore the most up-to-date news. We hope this podcast will be educational, easy to understand, and inspirational for all our listeners. I'm Coach Culbertson, and today we have back with us Todd Whites. Todd, I'm so glad to hear from you again. Why don't you take a minute, reintroduce yourself to our audience, and hey, I know you've got some really interesting things you've been doing in blockchain here of late. Thank you for allowing me to be with your listeners today and joining you on this terrific podcast. Absolutely. Uh, the waiting of our firm is a government relations firm here in D.C., and we focus on blockchain technology and retaining clients which, or better stated, who uh, require government affairs representation on Capitol Hill or SEC or regulatory branches, such as the executive, the White House, it, it doesn't matter. We try to minimize the regulatory pathway to customize the regulatory need of each client. And, you know, Todd, I know that last time you were with us, you'd actually spent two days testifying in front of Congress, right? That is correct. It sounds gargantuan, but not uncommon here in D.C. to uh, go before subcommittees. Not televised, uh, typically, but that's how we get paid. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit, are there any updates around the consensus meeting? This uh, consensus meeting in New York City is going to be uh, taking place over uh, May 14th, May 15th. And what we're hearing is the place is going to be packed where last year's consensus meeting drew in maybe about 2,000 folks, Wall Street folks. And uh, it's where Wall Street meets the, the computer engineers, the technology, the blockchain people, and they come together. And they work out opportunities, which uh, are fruitful for each uh, entity. So this year, it's going to be well over uh, 4,800 guests this year. And as it gets larger and larger, and what's uh, even more exciting is there have been some late entries, but very large blockchain companies that are going to be participating in this. Yeah, it sounds awesome. So yeah, so that's uh, coming up really right around the corner. So let's uh, kind of move into the next round, which is uh, there are so many regulations and so many, there's so much alphabet soup kind of floating around. Uh, some of our, our previous guests have talked about Reg A and, uh, and D and F and all of the different regulations. <laughs> so can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, about Reg A and Reg AF uh, and their prudential adaptation to the SEC forming a real new regulatory class to really better handle blockchain? Absolutely. I think, um, Coach, uh, to your question, I'd, I'd like to just briefly touch on what Regulation A, C, F, and D are, and then kind of talk about uh, the new construct, which, you know, I'm hearing a little bit within the, the SEC vertical integration in um, exploring, creating a new regulatory category for blockchain. Now, whether it occurs, who knows? But, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about regulation A, and this is what we do day to day with our clients, and I might add, I can't name our clients, but uh, we've sure. just uh, taken on two, two new exchanges, smaller case exchanges, none of the major exchanges, and uh, a few other blockchain companies uh, that I think are going to be noteworthy in their own growth 
curve uh, that we hope we're able to uh, able them to do. But um, when we talk about Regulation A, typically they are offerings that do not exceed $5 million in a one-year period. Typically, this means this is probably the easiest bracket of regulation a startup company that should, you know, um, register um, with the U.S. Security Exchange Commission should go under. And it's uh, probably the least expensive. And usually, you know, the documentation could range anywhere between 10 to 15 pages of, of regulatory questions and in itemizing what the blockchain company is going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about Regulation CF now, um, which is exactly what uh, the acronym uh, spells out, which is crowdfunding. And basically, what uh, crowdfunding is, I think your your listeners are very adept. But basically, it's just um, offering. It's the practice of um, funding um, projects and raising small amounts of money with uh, a, the largest number of people, and it's done over the internet, typically, and usually. Um, this particular um, regulation um, is registered under the Securities Act of 1933, which I think we touched on in mm-hmm. uh, yeah, sure. another conversation. Now, by comparison, um, Regulation D is uh, probably the most frequently used uh, regulatory um, letter, which typically is reserved for firms that are going to reduce you know, um, raise up to over, better stated, $5 million in securities over a 12-month period. Now, I won't um, put your listeners in a trance by going into um, the other 25 subsections of Regulation D, (laughs) but there are two noteworthy subsections, which is subsection 504, and then there's subsection 506. Now, 504 is typically for restricted securities. And then the difference between 504 and 506 is typically the the subsection requires accredited investors, which I think we kind of talked about before, where you have um, the net worth of uh, an individual who's going to be investing in um, potential fundraising of securities is typically going to be between uh, a net worth of $1.2 million and having an annual income in the range of $200,000 a year. So mm-hmm. those are the differences between regulation A, C, F, and D. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. So let's, uh, let's move to another side of a legal conversation. Uh, a decently sized lawsuit, Ripple versus Coffee. So talk to us yes. a little about that and what kind of potential impacts is that going to have on the blockchain world? Yeah, I think uh, this is a very ripe conversation, ripe with Ripple. Um, they kind of go together here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, it's a class action lawsuit. And basically, uh, this lawsuit is between an individual investor by the name of um, Ryan Coffey and his 
major complaint is that he had invested initially or purchased 650 Ripple tokens for about $2.60 each. Obviously, it's earlier. It was back last year during the peak price of Ripple and which I think was a total of about um, about $1,690. And, you know, it was in January. And what ended up happening is a few weeks later, um, when the price declined, he lost about $551 of his investment, which is uh, what she only was able to retain about 32% of that investment. So he decided to file a lawsuit. And the basis of the lawsuit is that based on these coin offerings, that essentially the tokens uh, based on the loss were not necessarily a, they were unregistered sales of XRP tokens, which puts this case right in the middle of what we've been talking about, unregistered tokens in the SEC and what they're taking a look at. So this could be a can of worms if the merit of this case is otherwise um, deemed liable by his complaint. Now, there's a twist to this case, and this was an update that my staffer had brought to my attention. Now, this individual by the name of Ryan Coffey coincidentally works for a company that you know all too well, which is Wells Fargo Financial. And Wells Fargo Financial is working on updating and doing a major investment into their blockchain technology. So they similarly can perform some of the same functions in terms of wiring monies from internationally as Ripple. So I think that's a kind of a strange twist. And I'm very, very interested among um, your your listeners and everyone else here in Washington where this case is going to go. We hope it's going to go into the the circular of uh, the garbage can, but we'll (laughs) see how this really unfolds. I think the mainstream is starting to catch on to to blockchain technology. It's becoming more and more in in the public vernacular. We've got more information out there about it. Can you kind of make some predictions right now about, you know, in terms of consumer mainstreaming of blockchain, where do you think it's going to go moving forward? From a personal point of view, and what I'm receiving here, you know, when I'm on the Hill and, you know, there are a lot of blockchain folks uh, on the Hill these days. Hmm. And, you know, in some of the um, off uh, buildings uh, within the SEC, you know, people are talking all the time about what's next. Is it, yeah. is it more subpoenas? Is it more, uh, <laughs> is, it, is the regulation going to precede a good many more subpoenas that we've already seen? Well, I think that what's going to need to occur is if, as we roll this out into the uh, consumer lexicon of terms so that it's fair, balanced, and easily acceptable to our mainstream consumers, I think that scaling and the proper balance of speed and security will be essential from the standpoint of getting or scaling out this new technology for everyone. And if there's not a balance between speed and security, I think there will be many setbacks as uh, this ever-evolving blockchain ecosystem evolves in lightning speed. So 
We're going to bring this podcast on in for a landing. Uh, can you let our listeners know one more time how they could connect with you and if there's any resources that you've come across lately for our blockchain enthusiasts? Absolutely. When it comes to determining if your clients, or, or better stated, uh, prospective clients need to register with the SEC, uh, we can be reached direct dial at area code 202. 505-5404. Uh, we can be reached by way of email at admin at rulonwhite.com. And one other uh, qualifying point I'd like to make, there's a difference between a government affairs professional when we kind of diagram and r- navigate a prospective client through the regulatory thicket, conversely to an attorney. You need an attorney to make sure the documentation is proper to submit. But sometimes each company has its own individual issues. And sometimes a client can fall between a regulation A and a regulation B um, Mm -hmm. type of rulings. And in light of that, what we do as a government affairs firm is we work with the vertical integration based on who we know with this SEC and kind of we do the talking and, and, and steer the conversation in the right direction that's going to be more meaningful for the client. So that's what I'd like to also add into what we do for our clients. And I hope that this, uh, this conversation is helpful. Yeah, Todd, thank you so much for being with us today. Every time you're on the podcast, I get a massive education, a massive download of information from you. And it's such a pleasure to talk with you. Well, it's a pleasure to speak with you and your listeners today. And uh, hopefully there are many other opportunities to provide updates. And uh, let's see what's next. All right. Well, thanks for following up with us today, listeners. Blockchain Inside, the podcast is co-produced by the International Data Engineering and Science Association, the Purdue Blockchain Lab, and CastBox. Please subscribe to our show on castbox.fm slash blockchain lab and leave a comment there if you have any questions. I'm Coach Culbertson. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time.